Hello everyone, welcome back to the One Talk Podcast, you're here with your host Ryan McCarthy. Today we are joined by Walt Blau and today's episode is just such an inspiring story because Walt has been through so much adversity through life and it continuously shows up for himself to overcome challenges no matter what. And we talk a lot on how to build this resilience or how he has built this resilience how he's built the mindset that he has to overcome the challenges that he's faced. And one challenge in particular that I'll give a snippet on was Walter woke up one morning paralyzed from the waist down. He had no feelings in his legs whatsoever to now being able to walk, go to the gym, deadlift heavy weights and live a functioning life again. But within this episode, there's just so much around inspiration, motivation, pushing. Walt's story is just, it's one that needs to be heard. So I'm really keen for everyone to dive in today's episode and enjoy it. Before we get into today's episode, if you could please share this podcast around onto your stories with a friend or a family member, just to help us grow this podcast and reach a bigger audience and get this message out there. Also, if you could please leave the podcast rating, that will mean so much in terms of growth as well. Much appreciated, and I appreciate everyone that tunes into every episode and also all the new listeners as well. So, without further ado, let's welcome Walt. Thank you for joining, Walter. How are you, man? I am, I am one blessed man, dude. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks, man. Um, I very appreciate you coming on the show today sharing um your story your journey but also the value and what you've been through man there's a lot of powerful stuff that you've experienced in life that i'm keen to get into awesome i'm happy to share and i reached out because things have uh i guess inspired me throughout my life no like listening to other people's story and as i went through some stuff i was like you know what i need to spread my message as well and if that helps if i tell my story 1500 times and one person gets finds comfort in that Mm. that's all that's what i'm looking for bud definitely and before we get into your story i just want to ask was it hard to be able to vocalize and verbalize your story and share that when you first started because i know us as men we can sometimes struggle to speak what we've been through yeah um and I'll I'll get in when once we get into it. I have a crazy story just on that topic. It took me a long time, very long time to. Boy, I'm talking recent. I'm talking with probably in the last six months. I've been yeah. comfortable to say, "Hey, people are like, oh, it must be nice to have that kind of life." And I've finally been comfortable with myself to go. It is. Yeah. You know, instead of like in the past, I would say I'd have an internal conversation, be like, oh, man, if I say it is, man, what are they going to think of me? And, oh, man, am, am I going to make them feel bad and that type of thing? Right. And just like you say, we got to hold that stuff in a long for a long time. You know, yeah. people. Yeah. And I'll get into that story with my incident because uh, very powerful. Awesome, uh, brother. Way yeah, to I'll, express I'll love- yeah, definitely. I'd love to hear more about that. We could um, like to track back a bit and see where all this began for you. Where are you from? And we'll start from there. Oh, man, I am from 
I was born and raised in Oneida, New York. And, um, and that's in the U.S. for the international crowd. And when I say I'm from central New York, about a 40-minute hike from the, my home, my physical home where I grew up, is a big plaque in the dirt that says the geographical center of the state. So yeah. I was literally central New York. That's epic. And what was it like growing up in New York? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, I yeah. don't... You know when you know when you get talking to people and they they'll say, "Oh, I wish this was different with my childhood or I wish this happened differently and that kind of thing or I would go back and change that, whatever that may be." Dude, I would keep it the same exact way. Yeah. There was nothing my parents we were probably upper middle class. I never went without, but mm -hmm. I knew that the value of things and I knew that you had to work for it. And nothing worth anything came without sweating for it. You know, yeah. uh, they taught, they put a, they put an incredible work ethic into me and uh, I am super grateful for that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I've heard, you could probably tell me more about this because I've never been to New York, but I've heard people say, especially when I listen to a, a podcast over in America, that they say like, that's a mentality in New York that people get ingrained into them. Is that mentality you have to work what you want and in life and you get those values instilled in you? Yeah, it's more it's more of how I grew up. Uh, yeah. I grew up in the I grew up in the country. Uh, it wasn't New York City, you know. It was the actual country. And again, we you know we didn't go without. There was always food on the table. Everything was dry and warm and cold. You know, in the summer, cool and and uh, never again. Never went without. But hey, you have this because we work hard. Yeah. You ha you put your time in. Okay, you're going to get a job. It's at 18, you're leaving the house or you're paying rent. Yeah. I left when I was 16. You know, I had full-time job and I was renting an apartment and everything when I was 16 years old. You know, had my own car, my own, you know, I don't know how old you are, but I have my own checkbook that I balanced, you know, yeah. physically balanced. We had a ledger in it and everything else, but... um my mom would sit at the kitchen table and teach, you know, life lessons, you know, her cigarette in her mouth with the smoke going up by one eye and half closed. And she's like, this is how you balance a checkbook and work hard. And, you know, nothing's going to be given to you and just yeah. put your head down and work. And, and going back to what you were saying before is men, you know, being hard to express yourself. That was kind of beaten into me that you don't say nothing, man. You yeah. just, Go to work. Mm. You're a man, dude. Yeah. So that was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Cause, and w even when I met my wife, I would joke about it that she would be like, what are you doing that for? I go, cause that's what a man does. Mm. You know, that's what's expected of a man. And, and, uh, we've from the, you know, I've been with my wife almost 10 years now and we've turned that into a very positive comment. That's what a man does. But yeah. before that, it was almost a negative. Say, hey, man, that's what I do. As I'm a man, just shut up and get the work done. Yeah. And that's that's a um, transition that we're slowly coming out of is trying to be, get men to be more vulnerable in terms of speaking about what they go through so they can get the supports implemented into their lives so they can overcome challenges. And I think we're in a really interesting transitional point in life at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And But the thing is, I, I have a conf I have a internal conflict about a, a little bit about that 
Yeah. Because I, I believe that like you and I should be able to have a good conversation. Right. And it's, it's that balance between a warrior and a poet. Yeah. Right. You and I should be able to sit here at a table or on a bench and have a deep, meaningful conversation. But then within a few minutes where you got to be a fucking savage about something. Facts. Yep. You, you see what I'm saying? So I believe, you know, it's cool. Men, you know, of course, men should cry. It feels good to cry. You know, it's kind of like a pressure relief. Find somebody that you're comfortable talking with. You know, mm -hmm. it's not going to give you shit about it. Oh, what are you doing? What are you saying that for? That's not what a man should say. Oh, go fuck yourself. A man can say anything he wants. Yeah. But you also have to be able to do traditional man stuff, you know, build a wall, unplug a toilet, fix a flat tire, whatever mm. it may be. You see what I'm saying? I and then agree. You could go yeah. even, and you can go <laughs> even further. You could go even further in, as in protection, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's where the, the, the savage and the, war, and the poet come in for me. I'm glad you brought up that side of it too, because I feel like with the mental health space, it, you, like you can enable people to open up, but then you got to bring back that drive in a man. Because at the end of the day, that's what fulfills a man is that drive, mission, purpose, being on something that is going to fulfill them rather than like for myself and my journey, when I've opened up and I've had nothing to drive or work towards, I felt depressed. I felt defeated. But once I started implementing things in my life that I can work towards, that I can build, I felt my best self. I think that's an important message for men. Hundred percent. That satisfaction of accomplishment and look what I built with my hands. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It's it's mental health. I have a a phrase. I love quotes. Everybody loves a good quote, right? And my favorite, hands down, my favorite quote is: "A man is always seeking for a battle to fight." an adventure to go on and a woman to save. Yeah. And if you could break that down, like I've broken it down for me on a personal level, I go to battle with the weights every day. I go in yeah. the weight room and do my best to break something, either the machine or me. Like I'm, I put my head down in a, in a tagline for my show is practice violence in the gym and kindness everywhere else. Mm. right so i go in the gym and i'm i am truly violent people like yeah. put a birth around me so i go to battle with that and that's my mental health completely savage in my body clears my mind mm. now i can handle dude, dude bring on anything during the day i'll handle it i think that's important I yeah that's an important message there because i feel like especially in today's age um a lot of people can try to suppress that side of men. And I think that's kind of a dangerous thing to do if men suppress that side of themselves, that rather the anger or the violence side of them and be able to find a place where you can express it in a healthy manner, like the gym. Like if I go to the gym and throw around weights and work out, I feel my best self and most calmest self for the rest of the day, like you said before. 100%. Now take, I'll, I'll generalize thing, right? Because there's always an asterisk, but take the average man. He's, he gets up in the morning. He deals with whatever he's got to deal with in the morning. He sits in his car for 90-minute commute or the train, whatever it may be, probably with his head down, with his face stuck in an electronic device, goes, sits at a cubicle for eight hours, might 
walk into the bathroom to avoid people mm. while he sits on the John with his head in a fucking phone too. Right. Then he sits on, then he travel, then he commutes home, whatever that commute might be. So then he gets home. He's tired because he's because he shoved fucking Doritos and diet Coke in his face all day long. And there's no, he hasn't expelled any energy. So now all, like you just said, all that shit's being suppressed, suppressed, suppressed. And then he comes home. He might not, might have a good relationship with his family. Gets through three, four hours at night, goes to bed, repeats, 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 repeats. How fucking healthy is that, dude? Yeah. No wonder you get all raged down the road. Where else? So you saying you suppress that. Well, that's DNA in a man. Well, depending on what you believe in, DNA is a million years old. Well, you think you're going to fucking change DNA in 50 years? Stop, dude. Mm -hmm. DNA don't give a shit about time. Yeah. You know? So that's that's my thing with a man and a woman, of course. Everybody. We're human. You should walk, pick things up, throw things, climb things, whatever it may be. Why do you think fucking obstacle courses are so popular yeah that's a great story by the way the dude down in australia actually came up with that shit you ever see the history of that no nah, what's that you know an obstacle course like yeah. the warrior dash and all that a dude down in australia actually started all that and two americans came down and fucked him out of it oh well <laughs> yeah yeah that's a crazy story I, yeah what was his but, name uh, oh see i knew you're gonna ask me you'd have to look it in i, yeah. I don't want to mess it up but um why do you think those became so popular it's basically a jungle gym for adults. I watched my two-year-old son be on the playground for hours. Yeah. I got to physically drag him off the thing. You know, that's DNA, man. That's what we're meant to do and not sit in a car and on a computer. But That's so true because especially going back to school for myself, like my favorite class was gym class. Like I love being in the gym, rather playing sports, lifting weights, running around, doing something physical. Absolutely. You should. Uh, yeah. Everybody should. But, you know, we're talking about men in general. But, yeah, I just think that a, a man should have some kind of competition in his life, physical competition. Uh, the gym, me, it's myself. You know, I played football. I played hockey. Uh, I did martial arts for 10, 11 years. So yeah. I, I just think that you should be able to do that or have some kind of outlet. It's very healthy. Yeah, this mentally, chat, mentally. This, definitely, because this chat reminds me of that quote. And it goes along the lines of it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in the war. Yep, absolutely. And that's my goal. I had a guest on. He's a crazy dude, man. Uh, and he's a Muay Thai fighter. And he said, I go, man, if you mixed in some jujitsu, you'd be just a fucking beast, dude. And he goes, I'm going to go the and Andrew Bourdain route. And I go, oh, you're going to be like 60 years old and start jujitsu and just be a badass. He goes, yep. I'm like, right on, man. Good for you. That's epic. But yeah. And the type of martial arts that I practiced is I don't recommend it because it was more of, I want to kick the shit out of you and move about my life. Right. It was very violent. And, uh, but jujitsu, I think the most pop or the most, thing that you can get out of jiu-jitsu in my point is being comfortable 
with somebody in your space. Yeah. So now somebody's up all in your space and you're like, whatever, dude. Okay. Now what are we doing? Do I think most people freak out because they're just not used to it? Mm. You know, I think unless you're, I think yeah, that's an yeah, important I, skill to learn is to be able to be comfortable when you're faced with that adversity. Yeah. Anything. I mean, uh, helping somebody, even, even the smallest thing, dude, of seeing somebody that needs help across the street. Right. So mm. now it's a small adversity because now you've taken responsibility for this person to get them across the street. I'm not yeah. talking about beating the shit out of four guys that come after you and your old lady. Come on, man. What, how often does that happen? Yes. Should you be prepared for that? Absolutely. But I'm talking the small adversities, a flat tire in your car at 60 miles an hour, you know, that type mm. of thing. It's been able to step that? up when needed. Absolutely. Well said. Yep. Mm. And as I was growing up, the phrase would be, because that's what a man does. Yeah. And the thing is, that's not a negative thing either. And I feel like it can, for some reason, it might sound negative to some people, but I think that's such a positive thing to touch on because, like we said, we need to get, get back, like with men, we need to get back to our traditional selves to be able to live and fulfill what we truly need in life. Yep. I have a good buddy of mine that is deep into the um, Nordstrom religion, you know, Vikings and all that. He's completely covered in tattoos, got a big beard, and super nice guy. And he talks about Vikings back in the day. They were, they were uh, warriors in a garden. Yeah. The guys, obviously, as we know, they're complete fucking savages. They come home and they raise a family. They're farmers. They're builders. They just take care of the community. They're leaders. They come and, you know, uh, govern, do all that. But when it's time to go, you step up and you go. Yeah. You know, they're not just guys that sat around and chewed on uh, raw chicken bones until they went to battle. No, that's not what happened. You know, that people think that, but. But when they had to step up, they fucking stepped up and they took care of business. Then they yeah. went home, stepped up and took care of business. And that was changing diapers and fixing the window and fixing the roof leak and shit like that. Right. Mm. And loving on your old lady and chasing your old lady around and stuff like that. But yeah. So I'd love to hear about. Idea. Yeah, I love I'd love to hear about any point in your story or any part of your life where you had a moment where you felt like you lost drive and you had to find a way to get it back. And how did you get it back? So, man, this is okay, dude. This is the first time I've ever told this story. Mm. I was 20, early 20s. And I was out in Colorado. My, I just broke up. Well, my girlfriend just broke up with me. And I went through a string of girlfriends. And I thought, I'm like, what's the matter with me? What is the matter with me? And, uh, I was, I got, I got really depressed about it and other things too. Uh, there was multiple facets in my life at that time. It didn't seem like they were going very, you know, going very well. <clears throat> I didn't have a lot of money. Uh, I would come home to a two bedroom apartment that completely empty with a black and white TV, um, uh, on some crates, a folding lawn chair 
in front of that TV and a, and a blown up mattress in the bedroom. And that was it, dude. I mean, that was my furniture. So it was a little depressing. And I remember I went to see a friend in the hospital. I played sports at the time and there was a guy, a buddy of mine in the hospital. And I was walking out of the hospital said chapel. And I said, you know what? I just, I'm about to, I'm about to fucking lose it. I need somewhere quiet where nobody will question what's the matter with me. And I said, the chapel would be a perfect place. I could break down and nobody's going to interrupt you. Right. Cause it's a chapel inside a hospital. Yeah. So I immediately felt safe. I walk in there, dude, probably 45 minutes bawled my eyes out. I couldn't, I was choked up, could barely breathe, you know, and it was, and then I sat there, oh, fuck, dude. And then I uh, kind of collected myself and I went, I left, and I was walking home and, and it was my mom speaking to me, you know, she was alive at the time. She didn't physically speak to me, but just throughout my life, she would say, there's going to be times when you don't think the world's going to have anything to do with you mm. and you got to make your, and you got to make your own way. And I said, shit, man, the world don't give a fuck about me. And, uh, so you know what? I'll make my own way. And that's what I did. The next day I joined a gym and, uh, I was always a big guy, uh, active guy, but I said, you know, I'm going to take my physical ability to another level and that's going to clear my head and that helped start my journey. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I mean that, that was a turning point in my life. I've never told that story. Dude. Oh, thanks for sharing that man. Was Yeah. Yeah. I've never yeah. told him. I don't think I've ever even told my wife that story. Yeah. Well, was yeah, because well, it was, uh, I was leaving the hospital, and my plan—I don't think uh, there's no way I would have done it because I'm a I'm a bitch when it comes to this. But I I planned on going home and and uh, putting a gun in my mouth at that time. Yeah, but I I would have never I would have never done it. I know I would have never done it. Like I would have physically like sat there with it in my mouth, but I would have never done it. I love life too much. Yeah. But yeah. And then I said, you know what? I just need to take a breath. And that's what I said. Chapel That has nothing to do with religious religion. It, again, I just thought that a house, a chapel and hospital, nobody would question what I was. I'm just sitting there crying my fucking eyes out. Well, you're in hospital. So they would just assume something and they would leave me alone. So that's yeah. Damn dude. Ooh. All right. Ooh. Next. <laughs> yeah thanks for sharing that man that's um yeah that's inspiring because being able to be at that point and having those ideations come up to be able to then implement something like the gym get clear-minded and then start focusing on something and that's a really important message for people to listen to is when you are going through struggles in life especially with ideation that if you just get your mind clear figure out a plan and you start taking steps things can start getting better yeah, absolutely. And and then what occurred next, um, 
I got a job. I was doing well in my corporate job. And, but I was getting paid once a month and I wasn't, it was just hard to budget for me at the time. And a guy said, Hey man, I work at this honky tonk. Why don't you come bounce with me? So I started making pretty good money doing that. And in that type of environment is, you know, drugs and alcohol and women. And I went fucking full throttle down that road, dude. Before we get into that, what is a honky tonk? Ah, that's, <laughs> dude, that is amazing. Wow. All right. So the best way I can explain that is it's a huge, physically, it's a huge bar. So you yep. walk in and there's multiple bars in a monster dance floor and they have live music and the honky right. tonk is a honky tonk is country music driven. So, hmm. and all the fellas listening out there, take it from me that I was 15 years in that business. You want to see the absolute most beautiful women in the world? Go to a honky tonk. Hands down, dude. And I will argue anybody on that point. <laughs> yeah, that was dude, interesting. Because tra- when you said honky tonk, I was trying to figure it because we then have a honky tonk in Australia. But <laughs> when I was hearing it, I was trying to figure out what it was. What do you, what do you guys got that's similar? Like it's a big dance club, basically. Um, we just call them like nightclubs. So we just have like, nightclub. yeah. So each city has like a whole nightclub strip. It's like in Brisbane, we have Fortitude Valley. So it's just a bunch of nightclubs. Gold Coast is the same. So take take one of those nightclubs and it's nothing but fucking cowboy hats and country music. Yeah. We might have some of those out West in Australia for sure. Yeah. All right, yeah. dude, I'm telling you, hands down, no <laughs> argument. Not nothing's even nothing even comes close. I have yeah. never seen anything. I've traveled the world, dude. Nope, honky tonk. Anyway. So you so you worked there for fifteen years, did you say? And then that's where the journey began: well, drugs and alcohol. Or so I started in that business, and I went down that line, and I worked at multiple places. Um, and a key part of my story that will carry through this whole conversation is, I always wanted to be a dad. Mm. It, it was just in my guts to be a dad and uh that was part of the reason i ended up breaking down in the hospital because i was looking for somebody to start a family with you know a woman that and then i wasn't finding the right one and now you know hindsight of course but yeah um so i was having a good time and got sucked up in that world and i got in an accident and I, I got an infection. I got sent to the hospital. And of course, I'm a man. I'll get better. Don't worry. I don't have to go to the hospital. My girlfriend at the time's like, man, you need to go to the fucking hospital. Could start, you, you could start seeing my uh, collarbone, my cheeks. You know, I was just losing weight. And I was a big guy. At that time, I was about 260 pounds with probably 12% body fat. Yeah, well. And then. Yeah. And I was just gaunt, gaunt. I looked like a cancer patient. And uh, the only reason we went to the hospital is because my throat swelled up and I couldn't swallow anymore. So the hospital, they carry me in. And uh, I'm sorry. Uh, They carry me in. And I got 
emitted with 105.2 temperature. Well, and I remember this big old black orderly looking over at me. You know, I'm in the, on the gurney. And he's looking down at me and the lights are going just like in a fucking movie. Right. Mm. He goes, you're a lucky man. Uh, I just kind of whatever. He goes, 106, we pull the sheet over your head. You know, just fuck, get so hot, kill you. Right. Well, wow. so they didn't they didn't know what to do with me. They did all sorts of tests. And this doctor comes in and says, put. Give him room temperature IV fluid. So then they took all this IV fluid. Let it sit, get room temperature. It took 13 bags of room temperature IV fluid to bring my temperature down. And I remember my arm and my side just being completely numb because at 105 and then you get 72 degree liquid put in you. That's fucking Mm. cold, dude. Yeah, holy shit. So obviously I still have some medical stuff from it, but I became sterile. It fried me, right? Yeah. And uh, I get a physical every year. So every year I would test to see if I was still sterile. And after about eight years, I went, I'm, no, all done. I'm not tested anymore. This is depressing. And not knowing that I or knowing that I could never have kids, I made some stupid, stupid life decisions. Cause I'm like, fuck what now, dude, what the fuck difference does it make? I can't have kids. So I went down a road of drugs and drinking and working and going crazy, crashing motorcycles and cars and fighting. And just, it was getting arrested and it was, it was not a good time. You know, I look at it mm-hmm. back now, you know, when I was in the middle of it, that's what you're doing and you're having a good time. But, uh, um, yeah, that wasn't. Did that journey begin because you started to seek wrong environments or did it begin because you just said, fuck it. And that flip switch, like what was it that made you just think, fuck it and go down that road? I think it was the quick dopamine hit of the environment that I was living in. You know, the fast girls, the money, I mean, dude, piles of money, piles of money, drinking drugs, laughs, partying all night going on incredible vacations, private jets, just fucking stupid, stupid stuff. Mm. And then I'm like, fuck it. Why not? I can't have kids. So I might as well just fucking enjoy life. And, but contrary to much, much popular belief that life gets, that life gets old very, very fast. Um, a lot of my friends either, a lot of them are still around. Obviously a lot of them went to jail, handful of them died. Uh, or not friends, people that I would be associated with at that time. So I said, man, I gotta, I gotta do something different. I gotta change my ways. I I don't have anybody in my life really at this point, but this is not a road I want to go down, but somebody made that decision for me in a way. Um, the prosecutor sitting across, across her desk and she had some paperwork and she said, if this all clears up, if you don't do anything and this all clears up in about eight months or about, yeah, about eight months, 12 months, I'll basically zip this up and throw it in the furnace. Said, yes, ma'am. Yeah. So when I, then I went and got married, uh, met this girl. I thought marriage would get me out of it and that did not work out. 
that's not a reason you should use to get married, dude. Yeah. You know, um, it wasn't an easy path for both of us. I was not easy to live with. Uh, I didn't think that at the time I thought it was all her fault, but as I grew up and, uh, checked my ego and became more of a man, you mm-hmm. know, looking back, I'm like, dude, I was, I was an asshole, Whew, yeah. man. I was not a cool person to live with because I was unhappy. You could see it in my pictures. The day we got married, my best friend, dude, I rode motorcycles to my wedding and then took four day motorcycle trip directly after our marriage without her. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, when I look back and add these things up, I'm like, no wonder it didn't fucking work. But, uh, it was what happened at the time we moved on. And, uh, and then I moved to Jersey, got divorced and, uh, met my current wife. And mm. I was divorced. Well, I wasn't even divorced when we met my, uh, current wife. I was three months, four months separated from my ex-wife. Yeah. And that was about a four month bender that I went on. I had a bunch of money, dude. And once I separated from her, I was 60 pounds overweight. I got back into shape because if I was at the gym, I didn't have to be with my ex-wife. Yeah. Right. That I was using that for an excuse to go to the gym. So I was back in fucking incredible shape. And then, uh, we separate and I just threw it all away. Uh, I was 60 pounds overweight and my skin looked like the spring roll at a restaurant, Mm -hmm. you know, that clear tacky, it's all sticky and your gums feel fuzzy all the time. And yeah, you're lethargic. And I woke up that morning. I was, I had a video photo production company. My wife worked for a web company. So what I would do was, ask people to introduce me to web companies. So if like you went to the web company and said, Hey, I want a new website. Well, every website should have video and photo on it. Well, her company at the time did not offer that. So I working to make a deal. Excuse me. Of course, the night before I went out all fucked up, got all fucked up. I woke up, did not want to go to this, meeting, but I was running a company at a time. And I said, you know what? There's people and families and stuff that depend on these decisions that I'm making. Mm. You know, if I don't make these decisions, these people are going to be out of a job and now they can't feed their family, you know? So that drove me to the meeting. Now picture this. Um, I think I'll, you ever hear of no shave November? You got a beard. Okay. So what, 20 something years ago, my uncle passed away and we were born. We have the same birthday. So I'm sitting there reading men's health magazine at the time. And there was this tiny, tiny little blurb, probably a 20th of a page. It was crazy small. And it says, Hey man, don't shave to bring awareness to, uh, testicular cancer or colon cancer. No, what was it? Testicular cancer. I'm sorry. Time. I was like, man, that'd be kind of cool to uh, bring awareness to that and kind of give my uncle a little tilt with the hat, you know? Yeah. So that, that year, November 1, 
threw the razor in the fucking garbage until December one. And so I met my wife at the end of November. So here I am again, overweight. I got jeans on work boots and a beat up polo shirt and this big fucking scruffy beard. And, uh, we meet, she shows up and I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my shit. I should have put a different shirt on. Should have combed my hair. Shit, dude. I am not ready for this meeting. And right away, we knew right away it was it was something other than business right away. Yeah. Okay. So she go, you know, we're talking, we're flirting back and forth. And I said, What do you like to do? And she's like, I'd love to dance. And she's a belly dancer. And I looked right at her, dude, and I go, I'll fucking dance the soles right off your shoes. And she gave me this up and down. She's like, you? <laughs> I go, uh-huh. And um, the quick backstory to that is, you know line dancing? Yeah. So my brother was fanatic about line dancing back in the day. So here we are all at the bar, the honky-tonk, <laughs> with my mom, and we're having drinks, and my brother's dancing. And she goes, you should learn how to dance. I said, fuck that, dude. Line dancing was invented by women waiting in the line for the bathroom. I said, if I want to dance, I want to hold somebody. Like, I want to, you know. Yeah. She goes, well, she goes, well, if that's the case, you need to learn to dance. And she fucking scoops me up. She taught me how to jitterbug and two-step and swing and all that. So I can, I can cut a rug pretty well. So I said, yeah, I'll take you out. I said, I'll show you how to dance. And um, that was on a Thursday, Saturday night. I scooped her up. High as a motherfucker on cocaine. She didn't know it at the time. Half drunk because I was playing poker all day. We drove to the honky tonk. It was crazy packed. I knew the doorman flipped him some money. I said, either hang on to the back of my shirt or my belt loop because I'll lose you in this crowd. And I just we went right to the dance floor. We've been together ever since. The rest is history. The rest is history, dude. <laughs> yep. I That's did. epic. I, we, we cut a rug, dude. Fun, mm. dude. I, I was up there just, phew. But uh, I was still drinking and drugging at the time. Uh, yeah. That ver So Sunday, I get home. Or I wake up Sunday at home and quit Coke that day. Well, cold turkey. I said, I'm not touching it again. I like this woman. And she's the type of woman that's not going to put up with that kind of shit. So, you know what? I don't need this anyway in my life. So, that was the last time I ever did coke. Wow, that's amazing, man. Was that the deep belief behind quitting coke was be able to pursue this relationship and make sure it's healthy? 100%. Yeah. She never asked. She Well, at the time, she didn't even know. She knows now, uh, you know, of course we've talked about it multiple times and, but I said, you know, in my mind, she's just, uh, you know, it pinged mm -hmm. my heart, man. It, and even to this day, she walks up to me and rubs my back and it's like electrical shock coming through me. So I knew it was good at the time, but booze, man, I couldn't give that. I couldn't, oh, man, dude, I couldn't give that up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was tough, dude. It's kind of crazy that I could quit a 10 year habit of Coke faster than I could stop drinking. Mm. But 
yeah, drinking was another beast. Uh, uh, that's um. Oh yeah, sorry. Keep going. Oh, the the same same thing that happened. Uh, we got down the road in our relationship, and I was still drinking. And same thing. I woke up on a Saturday morning, and and uh, it dawned on me because she goes, "How many drinks did you have last night?" And I couldn't remember. Yeah. And I said, "Shit, I need to get this." And oh man, this is this is not cool. And uh, we have, we still do, but you know, at the time we had a fucking amazing relationship and I was like, and the phrase with addiction is you give up everything for one thing or you give up one thing for everything. And I took the latter. I gave yeah. up one thing to keep everything. Yeah. That's, um, that's inspiring, man. Because like you said, it's not an easy road to go down either because when you're telling your story before, I like relate with it so much because I was a drug addict for about seven or eight years. And then when I got when I got sober from drugs, I then got in a relationship, didn't know how to transfer any of my emotions and be able to process them. So then my relationship was unhealthy. And I broke up with that relationship. Then I started drinking, became overweight. And then I got into the gym and got shredded, which is kind of crazy because it sounds similar to yourself. But in saying that, I've got questions around myself that I'd like to ask for you. Um when you started going through that transition, when you got out of the relationship and started going, like getting healthy and going into the gym, how did you make sure you weren't going to repeat the last relationship going into your new relationship? I just want to make sure, like uh, using the gym as a, a scapegoat, you mean? Yeah. So more so of like, was gym a part of the process to building your mindset, building how you process your emotions to make sure you weren't repeating any habits in the last marriage into your new marriage? Yeah. So yeah. what the, yes, absolutely. And I still do it to this day where the gym is probably 90, 95% mental for me. It has hardly anything to do with the physical attributes uh mm. shredded sure i mean when you look in the mirror and all your veins are popping and that you know you're shaving in the mirror after a workout and that type of thing and you're pushing fucking incredible weight or you know you're doing something whatever you do physically and you're 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 carrying that gold ring to the next level right you're always mm. wanting to push it but to me that's a mental thing so now if my mind is clear there's been multiple times in our relationship when, you know, my, my wife and I, she's like, well, just fucking stop. You got to go to the gym. Mm. It just, it's like a, you ever, you ever see those, uh, pictures of like a mathematician and he's drawn on a chalkboard and he's yeah. got all these crazy fucking equations all over it. Right. So there's my mind mm. going at, at one time. And then, you, I'll go to the gym, and what the gym is, a guy with a big eraser going, and that's a nice, clean fucking chalkboard. Mm. That's how I feel when I come out of the gym. You could ask me anything when I come out of the gym. I'll be like, man, yeah. You know, before, as I'm walking in the gym, I might fucking bite your head off. But, yeah, the gym is mental, and my wife is extremely supportive of that, and we'll get into the the other reason is that as well but she is very very physically active 
Uh, she, yeah. she was a competitive triathlete. She's a belly dancer. Uh, she just loves being active all the time. Yoga, of course, and all that good stuff. So my ex-wife, like, um, my ex-wife would badger me going to the gym. So now it was, or then it was, fuck you, I'm going. And now that anger would carry me through a workout. Yeah. Right. Now my wife says, encourages me. It's amazing. Go to the gym. Thanks, man. You know, cause she knows what the, the benefit of it. Yeah. It sounds like you, both of your values align. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And she, she grew up a California, you know, uh, a classic California girl, you know, Google California girl. And I, there's my wife. And uh, I grew up in a fucking hick town, you know, I'm a, I'm a country boy. And so we have a good time. Yeah. That's epic. Yeah. yeah she'll say, Hey, how come you, you never read this book growing up? I'm like, you ever throw hay bales or clean a gutter? And she's like, no, I go, Oh, see, we're the same, <laughs> but yeah. No, the gym, I think the gym is a portal for, when I say the gym, I just want to be clear. When I say the gym, I mean physical activity. Yeah. Not, not everybody's a gym rat. I'm a, I'm a gym rat, dude. You know, uh, if walking's your thing, yoga's your thing, kayak and cycling, whatever your thing is, I believe that that's a portal to catapult you to everything positive in your life. And like you said, it's like the chalkboard that gets erased and becomes empty again, and then you can start filling your um, your chalkboard back up. And it's a good way just to be able to, if like when I go to the gym, it feels like I take a plug out of the bath and it drains, and then I just feel free again. I feel great. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool, dude. You hear it gurgling? Yeah. No, I like that. And, uh, and the other thing that I like about a gym atmosphere is everybody is there for the same reason. Everybody yeah. is there to level up. You know, mm. I don't like using the the phrase, I, I stay away from to get better. I want to get better. I want to get, no, no, dude. What, better is relative, mm. right? I mean, no, your personal level up. Okay, so I did three, I did three sets of X exercise with Y weight. I don't feel challenged with anymore. Okay. So we're going to do 15 and then we're going to increase it by 10, 15, 20 pounds, depending on what you're doing. Right. That's leveling up. That's not getting better, but you're leveling up, you know? And, and I think that that's the same way with everything you do with emails, phone calls, just one more, man, just do one more. That's it. One more. One more. That's it. Mm. Okay. One more. And when I was in, uh, the video business, I came up with that because I was, or because when I was working out back in the day of, in uh, the clubbing scene, me and uh, my gym partner would be like, one more, you know, yeah, standard gym shit, right? One more, one more. And uh, I added it to my business life. Wait, man, I'm do this email. Fuck, oh, fuck, fuck. I'm so tired right now. I don't want to do all this email. I right, do just one more. Next thing you know, you've sent seven out and you feel good about it. Mm. You know, I think mindset. That, yeah, that one more concept is so important. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why I say that people like when people come to me and say they're struggling, 
um, in terms of like mindset, mental health, emotional regulation. I always say to them, just one more day, one more day, one more day, 1% every day as well on top of that and make sure in that one day period you are implementing things that are going to push you as well. Uh, absolutely. So when I stopped drinking, talking about the one more and in, in today, uh, when I decided to stop drinking, it wasn't during the fucking holiday season, dude. So... <laughs> And I was still in business. So now I got all these parties to go to and shit. So it it did cause a lot of stress and anxiety with me at the time. Mm. So I walk into this party and my buddies are there and I order a club soda and they, and they go, you're not drinking without even thinking, dude, I go, not today. And wow. I, I have adopted that for positive and negatively. If it's something negative, well, to me, negative drinking, just not today. Yeah. That's it. I don't fucking care about tomorrow. I don't care about six months from now. I don't care about Saturday. I don't care what's going on right now. Mm. No, nope, not today. And it's like the free beer tomorrow sign, right? Never comes. So if I say not today, tomorrow I say not today, right? Now take that to a positive, circling back what you said, I add that. Okay, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning to go to the gym. You know, I got my wife that's all warm and stuck to me like a dryer sheet and the bed's nice and warm and it's cold out because we keep our bedroom cool. You know, we believe that you sleep better when it's a little cooler. Like this is amazing. And I had a late night and I didn't get to bed till 11. So I only got like five hours of sleep. And I'm like, just today, just do it today, just today. Tomorrow, you whatever tomorrow brings, do that tomorrow. Just today, just do it today. Same, same, same conclusion. Mm. Just today, or not today. So you, know, like, you could even, yeah. oh, you could even break that down. Not, not this morning, not this afternoon. You know, depending on what you're you're dealing with, you know. I think so many people can look too far ahead that they overwhelm themselves and then never get anything done in the first place. But if you look at just today, just today, you're not overwhelming yourself with all these tasks or to-do list or anything. You just know what you got to do today and getting those tasks done. Dude, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And that's the same. I credit my, I credit our success in the video business. A lot of it with having that, my, me having that attitude with business development, because it, it's great, great success for me, and I use it with the podcast as well. And um, I'll give credit to the guy that I stole it from, but he hands it out. But, you know, yeah, I put three to five things on a list. That's it, dude. Mm. And those three to five things, doesn't matter if the house is fucking burning down. You get those three to five things done today. Now, the thing is, you might have them done by 9 a.m., that's it, dude. You're done. You're done. You're done. Go do something else. You're done. Now, there, there, there's times you might be working till fucking midnight. But depending on what you get, and then going back, what you said is if you put, look, what's your to-do list look like right now? Yeah. Mine, if I, show, if I show you, it's sitting right here. There's five things on it. There's one thing left to cross off, and that's recording this episode. Mm. That's it. That's all I'm doing for this show today. Another one was the one above it is reply to two. Well, 
two above it is to reply to two emails that are critical. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just just click it forward a little mm. bit. That's it. Bit by bit, Don't, step by step. Yeah. You won't ever see a, something on my list make a million dollars. Get the fuck, get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? And there won't be 25 things on my list. No, 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 no. No, don't fucking. Because then you don't get anything done. You don't want to set yourself up to fail either. Mm -mm, mm -mm. And I think a lot of people do. And we could go deep into that because I think procrastination people's fucking scared of doing things and of what they think other people think of them. But yeah, that's a whole other that's a whole other line of conversation. But yeah, I just think, uh, and it took me a long time. You know, I'm no angel. I was scared of what people thought about when I first started this show. Mm. You know, I was looking for validation. Now I'm like, yeah, you can go fuck <laughs> yourself. That's what I'm doing. That's you the interesting thing with podcasting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, you know, it's, it's the consistent we talked about this it's consistency in the in the in the discipline it's the discipline yeah. and the the list helps me do that so you know i have a full time job you know this is not my job i have a family i like to go to the gym i like playing poker i like hanging out with my buddies you know and i have the house and so i'm busy but if i know that hey man these three things right here these 3 to 5 things just get these done today all right you know, last night it took me 15 minutes to get all five things done. Yeah. Okay. Next. Mm. I'm done. The thing, the thing is, you got to start somewhere as well. Like, I think too many people can build up so much. They can do so much planning, but never actually start. But I think one of the most important things is just starting. Like we could probably use podcasting as an example. Like if you go back to my first ever episode, you can hear like a hundred people talking in the background because I <laughs> because I went down to the library in the in the main city in Queensland, put a microphone in the middle of a table in the library and started talking on it with like a hundred people behind me talking and it sounds horrible if you listen to it, but that was me starting somewhere and just giving it a crack. <laughs> Dude, that's a fucking that's an amazing story. Yeah. That's very inspired. That's very inspiring. I uh I came up with the idea for mine. Originally, it was called Walt's Kitchen Table. And uh, I bought a $100 unit off Amazon, plugged it in my computer, started yelling in it. And I was like, <laughs> fuck it, man. Is somebody listening? Great. If not, I'm having a good time. Yeah. You know? And what I found out with it over the last year, meeting guys like you and other people, it's, it's fucking incredible, dude. Yeah. You know? It's a great way to network. Yeah, yeah, and just uh, connecting with other human beings, you know, uh, you know, hearing your story, you know, you just kind of thirty thousand foot viewed it, but sounds like you and I went down the same path. Yeah, a lot of similarities, that's for sure. Yeah, and are you complete? Are you completely sober now? No, like from drugs completely. Um, I drink alcohol every now and then, special occasions like birthdays. But that's about it. Nice. Well, congrats, dude. Thanks, man. I know Appreciate it. I know that's not a that's not a fun road to go down. No, like but, the first three years was definitely a, like very difficult, but after that was just a journey of finding myself and on that self discovery. Now I'm at a place where 
probably about five years later now where things are really good. What uh, do you have a certain turning point or there's a lot of things that was there something that cracked you in the head and said, Oh shit, man, I need to change my life. Yeah. It was like a buildup of things. Cause I was about 17 years old and I was super thin, skinny, unhealthy. I was eating like barely anything every day. And I remember just looking at myself in the mirror and we have this thing in Australia called schoolies where when you finish school, you end up having like a party for a week down at the Gold Coast and you just like celebrate finishing school. Even though I didn't finish school, but for me, it was just a way to go and party and take drugs. But um, after I went there, I didn't sleep the whole week, maybe about two hours the whole week I slept, got back. And I remember how fried my brain was. Like I was twitching for no reason. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink anything like any water and i was just remember looking at myself like what am i actually doing and that curiosity started coming in my mind where i actually started thinking about my actions for the first time in my life and then from there it took about 12 months where i started to think like maybe i can have some belief about myself for quitting so about a 12 month period was just building up that confidence building up that resilience building up that belief that i could actually quit then the first thing I quit was marijuana because I was like, I smoke this the most 24-7. If I can quit this, I can quit the rest of the drugs. And then after quitting weed, about nine months later, I ended up going cold turkey from everything. So that was what the journey was like for me. And then when I got sober, it was the first time in my life where I ever had emotions and had to process them without numbing them. So then for about three years, it was like a massive journey of trying to process anger, sadness, um, depression, anxiety, suicide ideation, that whole thing. And then eventually got into the gym, started building up the confidence, started mastering my mindset, getting more drive into my life. And then now eight years sober off drugs, uh, things are completely switched around. Uh, congrats, Moon. Dude, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's, uh, I like to hear about people turning it around, you know, because yeah. so many don't, you know. Yeah. Um, you wonder why people don't and i and that's why i like to ask what if there was a driving force right i mean yeah. if my wife didn't come along you know and i'm not getting all breathy about that but somebody else probably would have came along but you know i yeah. felt a connection with her and it just you know i made that decision and my willpower and that's the other thing is i'm just not afraid to speak my mind anymore and if you get a you know if you, somebody gets offended with it or troubled with it that's a you problem that's not a me problem you know yeah and uh, i'm not doing it to dismember anybody or to put anybody down i'm just speaking my truth mm-hmm. and that being said you know it just my willpower if i tell you i'm going to do something get out of the way dude yeah it's just there's nothing going to stop me nothing and I've been mm-hmm. like that my whole life. And my parents instilled that into me, you know, again, going back to what we talked about, my parents were like, if, if you want something, that's this right here, you're too, that's it. These two things right here is the only thing that's going to, of course you're, yeah. but what runs these two hands, you know, your heart and your mind, if your heart and your mind are in it, that's it. That's all you need, dude. Coming at yeah. you like a that- fucking freight train. Now, relate with what you said earlier on the podcast, how you have no regrets of what you've been through. Because with myself going through drug addiction and doing all the crazy shit that I used to do, 
I'm actually very grateful that I experienced all that because that is what taught me discipline. It taught me resilience. It taught me willpower. It taught me how to build a strong mindset. I feel like everything that I went through was for a purpose for me to get to where I am now and for, to push me where I am heading in the future. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So when I was in martial arts, my instructor, I would have to, I would have to create or uh, do uh, a two thesis a year. And he would give you a subject and he would let you pick the subject on one, one each. And one time I, I was like, you know what, make, what makes a, at, at the time, what makes a man a man? Mm. Is it the values, like the way he was born or the shit that he goes through? That was, that was what my thesis was on. Right. So I interviewed a bunch of people and to make it and just to bring it up to conclude it. My conclusion was the way you were raised and the values that you were given help you make decisions through the experiences you give, you go through, and it ultimately creates who you are. And you, sir, are a perfect example of that. Look, you, you know, I don't know how you were raised or anything, but how you, what was inside you dragged you through to start dragged you through getting better and now look at the man you are. So your values and what you thought and your willpower brought you through those experiences. And between that combination makes you who you are. Mm, so it's thanks, not man. just one, it's yeah. just not one thing, right? That's so true. Yeah. So I, like, I just, Oh, sorry, I keep going. No, no, no go ahead. I was going to say, yeah. Cause I want to touch on the value thing. So I remember growing up when I was really young, uh, my dad used to always say to me, you can do absolutely anything you want in life. He's, and the one thing I always drilled into my mind was don't let anything hold you back or don't let anyone hold you back. And I think when I was going through becoming sober from drugs, that played out in my mind. Like that belief was so instilled in me that I could actually do anything I put my mind to. So I had that to fall back on. Like, yeah, I'm addicted. Yeah, it's hard, but I can do anything I put my mind to. Mm -hmm. 100%. Your body gives out long before your mind does. Yeah. You know, if you're, no, is it the other way around? How's that go? Your mind gives up. Your body will do anything your mind wants. Yeah, that's correct. That's right. I had it backwards. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think um, exercise and physical ability is a great vehicle for everything that I do. Mm. And now I'm going to say untouching on that because I know there's an important part of your story where you weren't able to do any physical exercise because you had an incident occur in your life, which put you out of the game for a while. And I'd like to touch on that and um, hear a bit more about that story as well for the listeners and myself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, I mean, we'll, we'll go into it. This, so my wife and I, when we first met, we don't do it much anymore because of uh, time restrictions, but we would do some volunteering. And and it's a com an uh, organization called Habitat for Humanity. You ever hear those? No, I haven't heard of those before. It's a organization that builds homes for the less fortunate. So what oh, you do amazing. is you, you go on a Saturday on a job site, and the guy meets you there, 
and he asks everybody in the crowd what their ability is, what he needs to get done, and does anybody have that ability? So my wife and I, and we we were doing this a lot. Uh, so the guy, we end up at the job site, and the guy says, hey, I need a, a wood floor, a tongue-and-groove wood floor put in the kitchen. And I was, dude, to be honest with you, I was like, fuck, that's a lot of work, but I have that, fuck, I have that ability. I raise my hand. And a guy down, little ways down, older gentleman who raised his hand. So him and I get after it, and we're working on it. And again, it's uh, people that are listening. If you ever put in a tongue-and-groove wood floor in a kitchen, it, it's not it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun. We We made the best of it. But what happened was I stood up, and I felt and heard a pop in my back, like like a twig breaking that loud. I was like, and I'm no stranger to back pain. So I said, all right, uh, I'll finish the day. Cause I, I told this guy that I would do the work. So I need to finish my work and, uh, I'll take some Tylenol, put some heat on it. Quote unquote, stay off my back for a couple of days. You know, I won't go to the gym and, you know, be careful. I'll be fine. Cause that's, what's been going on for the last 15 years anyway. So I drive home because that's what a man does. You know, you don't make the woman drive. These are all things that were instilled in me. So get home, go to bed. And I just knew, dude, I knew something was wrong. I just, I could still walk around and all that, but I just, I just fucking knew something was wrong. So I go to bed and I wake up about two o'clock in the morning and I couldn't feel from my waist down. Mm. Zero nothing i mean you could have chopped my right in my belt line you could have chopped my feet off my legs off and i was like okay maybe i just pinched something i'll be all right yeah i could probably work this through yeah you don't complain you know you don't bitch just quote unquote rub some dirt on it you know i mean that that was my mindset at the time you know because that's so it's instilled in me and uh so i tapped my wife on the shoulder and i said hey uh I think I have a problem. She's half asleep, rubs my chest. She's like, just breathe. It'll be okay. And she's half asleep, you know, God love her. Well, and that's when the pain stuck came in, dude. I'm not even going to try to describe the pain. I can't, I can't, uh, end up at the hospital. Now talking about drugs. Now I'm no, I am no stranger to drugs at that time. So, they take me from the gurney of the ambulance to the gurney of the hospital, but you know, the gurney in the hospital. Yeah. They normally put a, um, like a board and slide you on that board. They didn't do this. They fucking slammed my back as they put me, dude, I screamed like a four year old girl that just saw a monster. Yeah. I can imagine. And the nurse above me, I happen to see her, you know, she's right there. She was look. She's looking at another nurse. Goes well. At least we know he's not faking it. And I was like, "What the fuck?" And of course, you know, pain sets in. My wife, again, God love her. She writes. She's there taking notes on her phone. They give me two different types of painkiller. No, didn't even scratch. Did you could have just injected me with saline? So you know, water. Fuck, dude. You know. Yeah. 
And the lady goes, all right, listen, we've done this and it's not working. So we're going to put you in twilight. And she goes, you'll kind of be here, but you're going to be gone. I said, uh, dude, when they gave me that fucking drug, no wonder people fake it. <laughs> dude, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Out I went. Mm-hmm. And uh, woke up in the hospital room, morphine drip, like 4 a.m. Just kind of hanging out like, holy shit mind just blown can't even i have no idea dude i i, I couldn't even comprehend what was happening because yeah. here i am scratch i'm scratching my leg so reach up and scratch your desk and that's what it felt like i couldn't feel nothing in my legs well wow. holy shit right so this guy comes flying into my ho- uh, hospital room looks like colombo Remember, do you ever see Columbo, the the TV detective? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looks like him. In this suit? Yeah. Yeah. Without the, ja- without the jacket. Just going 1,000 miles an hour, carrying a bundle of papers and books. Quote, I'm quoting the doctor, dude, because I didn't know he was a doctor at the time. He leans over me because he's he a big tall guy. Leans over my de- or my bed. He's like looking at me up and down. He goes, what the fuck did you do? I go, uh, uh, I fucked up my back. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw this cat scan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, how you doing? I go, well, uh, fuck, dude, I can't feel my legs. He's like, good, 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 good. And leaves. I was like, where the fuck? Who the fuck was that? <laughs> and, the, and the nurse comes in. She's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. He's going to take your case. I go, that dude? And uh, come to find out later, he's a world-renowned neurosurgeon. So I get, he comes in the next day looking the same. Talks a million miles an hour. He's like, this is what you, so what happened was the disc between two of my vertebrae exploded. Mm. and But it exploded inward. So all that whole disc pressed against all my nerves. And it wow. cut all the feeling of my legs, everything from the waist down. And the doctor's like, don't feel bad if you shit yourself. I'm oh, thank you. Good looking out, bud. Thanks. <laughs> and um, we were talking about healthy, being healthy, and we didn't get talking about eating. I figure that's kind of a no-brainer that you put good stuff in your body. And my wife and I think food is medicine. Would you agree? Yeah. And... uh so later that sun- Sunday, so I got admitted Saturday night. I came in, or she came in Sunday afternoon with bags of home-cooked food with labels on it and a list for the nurses of what day I get what meal. That's Badass. awesome. Badass. But so what I would do during the day, I had nonstop people coming to see me. So that was fun, right? Mm. At night, dude, I would literally cry myself to sleep. Just wondering, how do I provide for my wife? I didn't have a son at the time. I didn't think I could have kids at that time still. And uh, I was like, what am I going to fucking do? Holy shit, am I going to be in a wheelchair? Am I going to, what's going on? Is my wife going to want to deal with me? 
You know what I mean? You, yeah. You run through that. Like, she going to fucking leave me? Because who would want to be with somebody in my condition? And I can imagine all those thoughts uh, coming up in that moment, like going to sleep with full functionality and then waking up and you can't feel from the waist down. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so now, you know, every night crash, I cry myself to sleep. And during the day, same thing. Just, I put on a face, dude, because that's what a man does. You know, he just fucking. And my wife at the time uh, didn't even know I was crying myself to sleep. I didn't even tell her. And she came in on the Thursday before the surgery because uh, the doctor wanted to speak to us about what was going to happen. Right. I completely, dude, I was a, I was in a fetal position, you know, quote unquote fetal position. Just, I completely fucking lost it. I was a babbling, drooling, crying mess. I couldn't be there any longer. I go, you gotta get me the fuck out of this place. I mean, I lost it, completely lost it. And she was a stone. She's a rock, dude. She's a rock. So the doctor comes in again. Completely, totally disshuffled. I, you know, I love the guy. Still love him to death. And uh, he goes, all right, three options. These are your three options. One, we put this disc in your back, and you get about 95% of the mobility back that you have. Fuck, yeah, all right, right yeah. on. Option B, you, uh, I can't do anything about it, and I fuse everything together, and you get about 60% of your mobility. Well, let's not do that. And he turns to leave. He's walking away. I was like, option C, he throws his hand up like no big deal. And he goes, you never walk again. And out the door he went. I was like, the fuck, dude? All right, I guess this is this is where we're at. And again, that was his bedside manner the whole week. So I knew, you know, it didn't surprise me that he acted like that. Yeah. So Friday, or no, Saturday morning comes. They come scoop me up take it down, get prepped. Now we're in the prep area for the OR and they got, we got your curtain around you, you know, and my wife and I are sitting there and we hear him coming, talking. And we're like, all right, whips a fucking curtain open. Dude. I didn't even recognize him. Clean shaven hair, slicked back all in his operational gown, literally wearing rose colored glasses. And speaking like solid, I'm like, ah, that's the doctor I want to <laughs> see working on my back. But uh, so I went in, came back out, um, went through recovery. Recovery was fucking. I've been through a lot of surgeries just because of my lifestyle injuries and stuff. And recovery was a bitch. The recovery room. Yeah, yeah, I, I had a, I, had, I struggled with that very hard. It was how long? I could. I was in. Re, well, I was in the recovery room. I think six hours. Yeah, yeah. So they wheel me into the, into my room, and my wife and one of her girlfriends is that actually worked at the hospital were there, and I see her. I'm like, hey, baby. And they put me into my room, and I passed out again because I was still pretty sedated. Right. I'm telling you, dude. I've been on some trips in my life. I'm telling you drugs. I've been on some fucking dealing with literal dragons and just crazy trips. That's the best trip I've ever been on. Mm. 
it was my wife's like, you're sitting there smiling and giggling the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, she goes, what can you remember? I said, the only thing I can remember is vanilla Oreo spinning in a circle. And you know, the happy and sad faces for theater. Yeah. They were, they were talking to me other than that. I can't remember anything about it, but it was amazing. <laughs> um, six 30 that night. I can, I was wide awake as I am now with you, you know, I'm laying in bed. I'm fucking wondering, uh, I was still pretty drugged up. So I still couldn't feel much. I couldn't feel much of anything because they went through the front. Mm. They put a hole it, you know, they spread my, you know, guts and everything about a six inch hole to get to everything to my oh, spine. Well. And, uh, so the, everything, all that was all numb. At 9.30 at night, this lady come walking in with a walker and goes, all right, get up. Excuse me? She goes, get out of bed. Who the fuck are you? Well, I'm your physical therapist. You need to get out of bed. Uh, Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I just came out of surgery. She goes, absolutely, get out of bed. And we went round and round. So she finally gets me out of bed. I could walk, dude. I could feel my toes touch the fucking ground. I mean, I was supporting the weight, my weight with a walker, and my legs were just hanging there. But I could feel my toes. What was going for your mind at that time? I started start bawling. Nothing. Just I just I left a puddle, literally a puddle of tears around my feet. Mm. I was just sitting there staring down at my feet, just fucking bawling, dude. And she's rubbing my back and she's like, come on. And she edged me along. And uh, we went into her physical therapy room. And as soon as I walked in the room, the back wall from ceiling to floor, corner to corner, there was this saying on the wall said, motion is lotion. Mm. And it, it is unbelievably profound for me. That's that saying. Uh, and she goes, the best healer for a body is your own blood. You need to get blood to those joints and blood to those places that are injured, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I, I don't know how long I stood there. I just stood there staring at it. And uh, she finally edged me along. And you try to do like she had stairs and a toilet. And I'm telling you, if you, you ever have a back injury, have you yeah. ever had a back injury? Just brush it, just bending over the sink to brush your teeth. Yeah. Or even picking up a laundry basket. Anything. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. So I, uh, we went through that. She tested me on some stuff. So Friday I had the surgery. Friday night I saw her. At one o'clock on Saturday afternoon, I walked out of the hospital under my own power. Holy shit. Fucking nuts, dude. Incredible. That is I, unreal. I, I love that. Yeah. It, yeah. It was, I mean, I feel extremely blessed of the, you know, Ronald Reagan, our president yeah. back in the day. This guy was his neurosurgeon. Oh, wow. So 
I was very blessed to find the talent, you know, a guy of that talent. But back before that, injuries and all that shit, I would check my ego or I would have an ego and I would say, I feel better. Fuck it. I'm doing whatever I want to do. So coming out of this thing, I told my wife, I said, whatever the physical therapist says and whatever my neurosurgeon says, I'm following to a T. So Monday I go see my neurosurgeon and he goes, I know I can't keep you out of the gym. I get it. You need to have, you need to be in the gym, but the, the free weights, they don't exist. So I want you to do, I'm going to give you a regimen with the machines. Yeah. Every for two weeks, do this. And I come back. He said for two weeks, do this. And I come back. We repeated that for three months. I'm telling you, man, I came out of there stronger than I've ever been. It was incredible. The physical feats that I could accomplish after those three months. And that was, I credit that me saying, no, dude, you need to fucking listen to this guy. Mm. You don't know better than this guy. Who the fuck do you think you are? No, listen to him and you'll be better. And, you know, so that's what I did. And then five months later, I was on the operating table again for a heart procedure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was, uh, I had, a uh, uh, what do they call it? Fibrillation front and back of my heart. Yeah. So yeah, I had to have a operation for that as well. And that was all one year. That was all the same year. Mm. Did you feel like life was testing you at that time? A hundred percent, hundred percent. You know what I thought was life was saying you almost, you basically have whatever, what, what you've, wanted in your life what you've quote unquote dreamed about you know what let's throw you a curveball to see how bad you really want it mm. and are you going to give up or are you going to keep going down this path I, I believe i believe the universe wanted to just poke me with a stick to make sure that i was grateful for what i have that's powerful that's a good perspective to have as well yeah yeah so uh then my wife and I went through that. So a couple years later, she says, I want a baby. I would love to have a son or a baby child. I said, damn baby, you know, I told you when we got married, you know, and all that, she goes, why don't you get tested? It's been a long time. I said, okay, I got a, I got a physical coming up. Let me go get tested. I'll have the paper back in time for my physical. So I go get tested, get the paper back. And the way they did it was a circle chart. Mm. And it tells you basically how potent you are, how, what's the word? Virality, virality. What's that? Yeah. I don't know what that. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Mine was fucking red line. Like, they're like, we're surprised you haven't got half the world pregnant by now. And I was like, (laughs) what the fuck? This can't be right. It can't be right. It's a mix up. Just blew it off. Take it to my doctor. And I, and he's been my doctor for seven years. He's retired now, but he was my doctor for seven years. And I walk in and I go, Hey, I have this paper and I hold it up to him. And and he looks at it like this. He goes, 
Eh, no big deal. That's common. I'm sorry. Excuse me? What did you mm. just tell me? I figured this is a mix-up. He goes, oh, I know your story. He goes, that's common. No, you're good, bro. What? The fuck are you talking? So we talked about it for like an hour and a half. It was it was amazing. He's such a good he's such a good man. He goes, you're basically the healthiest guy in my practice. You got your blood work's always spot on. Your BNI, BMI obviously is completely off the charts because, you know, I'm 270 pounds at six foot with a 36 inch waist, you know? Yeah. So it just doesn't work that way. And then you're not fighting diabetes. You're not fighting any cancers. You're not fighting any of that stuff. He goes, and what is a man put on this earth to do? I'm asking you. Um, recreate. That's it. It's all your fucking DNA cares about. So when you're sick, your body goes into activity to get you healthy so you can reproduce. Right? That's mm. down to its core. That's all you're here to do, man, is make babies. That's it. That's it. Don't. That's it. And I was like, okay. He goes, so you became sterile naturally you weren't it's not drug induced it's not chemicals you know it wasn't trauma like a sharp object you know that type of stuff yeah so your body ain't got nothing to do because you stay healthy they said okay let's do what we're supposed to do now i have a two-year-old son bro fuck yeah that's Dude. so good man we're happy for Dude, you I that's amazing, Thanks, especially man. hearing the story building up to this, like from before the podcast to this now, man, like the amount of things that life has thrown to you and was like, look, you might not walk again. Look, you got to go for a heart surgery. You're never going to have kids. And then for you to come out on the other side and every single one of those is fucking inspiring. Thanks, man. Yeah, I just, uh, I love it. And to be honest with you, dude, sometimes there's days I believe I don't deserve it. Yeah. I look back at some of the stuff that I used to do, and then I look at what I have, and I go, do I fucking deserve this? But the answer is yes, you know? How do you combat 100%. those thoughts? I look at what I have and the the positive energy that's around my life and stuff like that i that's a good question man i haven't had one in a minute so i can't really remember what i was going what i was thinking of um a lot of times the the saying that my wife and i have is what you resist persists yeah so if you resist it's going to stick around right so I, I don't know. I try not to resist it. You know, I let it in, let it bounce around in my dome and, and in my guts and then keep mm. feeding good stuff and let the positive kind of run it out. You I know? love how you said don't resist it because that's important to be able to accept because if we keep things with resistance, it ends up chewing this up even more. thousand percent, you know, and you can't sit there and go, I'm not resisting it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, dude. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're resisting it. It's <laughs> tough, dude. It's, it's a, it's a fucking, it's a incredibly hard, like skill to mm. do. And it's just like everything else. You got to work it. You know, you got to, 
when you see it, you know, and I try to like use super simple examples. Car goes by. Okay, here you go. A, a car goes by that I don't. That's not my style. We'll say that. Yeah. Okay. Ten years ago, like who the fuck? Why the fuck are you doing that? What the fuck is that? Jesus, what a waste! Look at that. you know what I mean. That yeah. kind of. You know what my attitude now is? I see that and go. Somebody's proud of that, and that brings them a lot of happiness. So. Mm. Good for you, buddy. Literally. That's it. And to build that mindset, it's like like to do, like I'll use another example. To do more push-ups, you do more push-ups. And it's like it's the repetition and the consistency of implementing those things that will bring the growth in your mind. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And and the other thing that's been a positive uh well, a thing that's helped me in a positive way. Any negative around me, people included, gone. Yeah, that's important. I don't, and that includes my dad. Mm. I, I told my dad that I'm not talking to him anymore. Yeah. That was a couple of years ago. And I ain't talked to him since. I said, I love you to the fucking moon and back. But you're always negative when I talk to you. And I, I just don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. We ain't hey. talked since. Yeah, and it's tough to make those decisions because you don't want to fall into what you're trying to get away from, especially when mm. it comes to growing as well and trying to become the man you want to be. Sometimes you have to sever some ties. Mm-hmm. Yep, you got to cut. And in business, you know, you look at it in business too. Is it a business decision or are you running on emotions? Yeah. You know, and now I, now the, I call it the plate farm. That's my that's my thing for the gym, the plate farm. I love it now because now I keep up with my two-year-old son. Yeah. You know, I have I have injuries and and things that I've obtained throughout the years, motorcycle crashes and stuff. Like we're coming down the iconic um, highway down California coastline. Yeah. On a motorcycle. I'm a big motorcycle guy. I love motorcycles. And uh we're coming out of LA on the 405 and a guy merged at 60 miles an hour and wiped us out on a motorcycle. My wife and I sent us across, across, sent us across five lanes of fucking 405 traffic in Los Angeles. Well, I thought, dude, I thought the last thing I was going to, okay. So honestly, we hit the fucking pavement and my wife, all I could think about was my wife. And I did this fucking like swim move to look back. And I saw her bounce on the pavement, get up and run to the uh, shoulder. And I saw that as I was still sliding with the motorcycle. Yeah. And cars were, you know, cars were going by. And this peace came over me, bud. But seeing my wife over there safe. I'm like, if the last thing I see is the fucking grill of a Range Rover, cool. Mm. My old lady's over there being cool. So it was it was this now I I had a glimpse, a small glimpse of that peace that people say they have right before they die. Yeah. I had that. It was just warm comfort. I was like, eh, okay, I'm good. It's crazy. Mm. But before right before that 
stricken panic, trying to find my wife. Where's she? Where's she? Where's she? Where's she? Is she safe? And then once I saw that she was safe, I was like, man, all right. You know, of course, I don't don't fuck, dude. I don't want to die. Jesus yeah. Christ. But but I was just I was so it was. It was incredible. In a moment like that. Where I have no control over my feelings to where my feelings went. Yeah. And that's when I that's I knew a long time ago. But that ensured like that just made me feel like that's my that's my soulmate. Mm, when, that, when, no, I when, when when something like that happens and your reaction is that where you can't think about it for a second. You can't be like, oh my God, I hope nothing happened. No. So mm. it was cool. So I have injuries. I have all sorts of, you know, pains and aches and shit like that. I am not. I kick the fuck out of myself all the time, dude. And I still do. I still think I'm 25, bud. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good mindset. But uh, rolling around with my son, you know, I, I can flop on the floor and and chase him around, up, up go up and down through the the playground with him. And and that's that's what it's about. What's it like being a father? Is it what you imagined it to be? Ah, uh, fucking 150,000 times better. That's epic. You a, you a dad? No, I'm not, but I'm hoping to be soon. Good, good, dude. Well, the work is most of the fun. Yeah. Making them is most of the fun. <laughs> but uh, I remember, too, my, my, my wife goes, <laughs> my wife goes, she had an app, you know, she goes, hey, man, for four days, I'm fucking fertile. Let's get after it. I was like, all right. So I fucking stretched. It's like I did some calisthenics, you know, and she's like, fucking rolls her eyes and walks away. <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready, baby. Let's go. <laughs> but uh, he was conceived that weekend. Uh, yeah. Wow. And uh, we didn't know the gender. We we kept the gender a surprise till he was born. And uh, he's a good little dude, man. He's strong as a motherfucker. God damn, dude. The dude's strong. Mm. You know, I might be biased, but he's sharp. You know, he's a whip. He's, you know, he can do, he's two years old, man. He's washing my car the other day. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't, I just try to, I just do what's come natural. I don't put any pressure on myself to, okay, you have to be this as a dad. You have to do this. No, dude, if it feels mm. good, I do it. If it doesn't feel good, I don't do it. That's it. Next. Yeah. You know, Earlier on the podcast, you said about how your parents instilled beliefs into you, which helped you drive in life. Is there any of beliefs that you are teaching your son? There's, or any values? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, since he has been born, he was three months old. I'd come home from work, and I'd pick him up, and I'd look right at him in the eyes, and I'd go, do you listen to your mother today? You know, he don't fuck, dude. He's, he he yeah. looks like a fucking uncooked turkey still, you know? <laughs> and uh, he's just looking at me. And to this day, I come in and I say, do you listen to your mother? You know, all this is, we have all this because your mom. Mm -hmm. So if it was for me, me and you, we'd be in a one-bedroom apartment, you know? I talk to him like you and I are talking. And, yes. I've, and my wife and I have talked to him that way since he's been alive. We don't baby talk with him. We don't. You know, of course, we goof and make sounds and shit like that. But when we have a conversation, it's, hey, buddy, come here and pick this up. 
I don't know. No, 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 no. There's no drama here, dude. Just pick mm. the fucking thing up and put it away, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but the other thing I say to him is always be kind. Always. You don't mm. know what somebody's going through, bud. So I say this just like this to him all the time. Listen, buddy, always be kind. Be polite. Yes, sir. No, sir. And uh, you don't know what people are going through. But every once in a while, you got to let a motherfucker know. Yeah. You know, and that goes back to the the savage and the poet. You know, be cool about it, but don't be a doormat. Mm. You know, and I'm going to teach him those values. And I will teach him how to, you know, defend himself. And he he's out. He's helping me build stuff all the time. He helps me. He pushes the lawnmower the whole time. He comes, mow the lawn, mow the lawn, mow the lawn. I got you, bro. <laughs> and, uh, oh, you know, of course, as he gets older, he's going to be rebellion and all that. You know, I get it. Yeah. Kids, kids but, uh, you know, I love him, dude. He's just, he's a good dude. He, he treats us well. You know, he's not a brat. Mm. And uh, he's just happy all the time. And, you know, we call her auntie, you know, a friend of ours. She's always around. She's, she's uh, his auntie. And she's like, he's a product of his environment. And that's my wife and I just being who we are. Yeah. And, and the advice that my, or our pediatrician gave us was don't create a world for him. Mm. Bring him into your world. And that, that was huge for me. That was big for me. I've never had that before. That's a powerful. Yeah. Just do what you're doing. And bring yeah. them in play mute you know if you play beatles you like your beatles record and you're playing that don't stop doing that because mm. you want to be quiet no fuck that. if you like loud music play loud music you know of course there's an asterisk to everything you know he's a baby you know you gotta take care of him but you know if you're up until nine o'clock at night he's up with you you know or mm. you follow you get your own routine you know and i got so much fucking advice man when my wife was pregnant it got ugh, i was i was so numb to it yeah and then um i love playing poker and i play a lot of poker and i got a buddy older gentleman been smoking and drinking fucking his whole life so he talks like this you know he's got one of those voices and we're walking through the casino one i'm going to the poker game he's like hey man people giving you some advice like fuck paulie fuck people dude are you going to give me advice? He goes, yeah, I'm going to give you advice. It's like, fuck. All right, dude. And what's your advice? He goes, he takes a puff of a cigarette. And he goes, fuck him. What? He goes, fuck him. You'll figure it out. Fuck everybody. Fuck him. You'll figure it out. Humans been figuring it out ever since their time. So nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> hey, thanks, Paulie. That actually felt good. He's like, <laughs> but my wife, my wife was, it was very instrumental for my wife. She, she's real analytical, right? She likes to look up things and, and, you know, do that. Mm. I've learned some stuff from her doing that, but 98% of me, I just, whatever's in my heart, dude, I do it. That's it. And cause yeah. he's going to, he's going to learn from watching me. So I could sit here and tell him two plus two is four all day long. But if I go and make two plus two, five, that's what he's going to see. Hmm. You know, so I just make sure that 
and it does make you a better man. I tell you what, because you go to do something, you, like in tr- driving in traffic, you go, ah, okay, I don't need to yell at him because <laughs> he's in the back seat, you know? Yeah. But the only thing I've curbed my swearing a little bit, but I still have to be authentic. Yeah. I still swear around him. I, I, the way I was raised, we use the word fuck like a comma. Mm. So we'll teach him, you know, I'll, yeah. hey, what's right and what's wrong, but. Yeah, I mean, being a dad is, you know, I would dream about being a dad, and it's nothing like it. Yeah, it's it's so much better. It, there's, I can't even describe. I can't, I can't put into words, dude. You know, mm. when I see him, I think about him during the day, and I was, you know, how he acts when I pick him up from school, and you know, when I get him up in the morning, he's all, you know chatty because he's at that age now it's not stop dude and it's just word salad there's nothing yeah. you're like i have no idea what you just said bud but i, I do it with him you know he'll go blah, 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 but i'm like no no shit you didn't do that today who did that with you he said blah, 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 but i'm like no bud the truck that went by was yellow not green he's like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like okay. and i just i encourage him to keep talking you know yeah. i don't know what he's saying but you know and then he repeats it. He's like, truck was green. Huh? What? What truck? What? Oh, shit. That's what I just said. It's green. <laughs> their, great, their greatest superpower is mimicry, dude. So when you yeah. have a kid. <sighs> so here's one for you with him. I was We were at Walgreens drugstore uh, not too long ago. And I needed to see something on the bottom shelf. Mm. So me, my back injury, knowing I squat down, I don't bend over. Right? So I squat down. And he looks at me and he scoots over a little closer to me and squats down. And then he looks at my feet and looks at his feet and moves his left foot. So it was kind of like my left foot. And then he looks where my arms were and he moves his arms and he's like looking up and down, looking me up and down and like moving his body. And then he settled in and I was like, holy shit, I got to watch what I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Like mirroring what you do. Yeah, I mean, to a T, they just mirror what, you know, they mimic everything you do, you know, and mm-hmm. they're, and they're at two years old, his brain is a fucking sponge, man. Whew. You know, I'll say something to him and three days later, he repeats it back to me and I'm like, <laughs> right, I got to watch what I say. <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah, I like how you said how you, you have to bring your kids into your world instead of creating the world. I think that's a important piece of information for myself when I become a father. Just to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Just bring them in, man. Hey, man, this is what I do. You go to, you know, obviously you can't take them to the movies on Friday night, but mm. like your routine at your house. No, 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 no. Bring them into your world. Mm. Yeah. You got any, what's your plans with that? Are you guys trying to figure it out still? I mean, I know, I know you know how to make a baby. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're getting uh, married in May next year. So after our wedding, we want to start planning to have kids. It's never the right time. Just so yeah, you know. yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, I probably can never prepare for it, but when it happens, I'll just do my best. And like you said before, just bring him into my world or her into my world, and just do my best. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, I still put. I'll catch myself putting pressure on myself, being like, "Am I doing it right?" Yeah. I don't think 
yeah, you just gotta trust your heart. Mm. You know, your heart's going to take you in. You know, you can't, like I said, you can't take him to the fucking bar and play pool with you when he's four years old. He's just got to wait till he's like six or eight to do that. But <laughs> take him hey to the dunk. <laughs> oh, absolutely, dude. I was, I cut my, I was, what, nine, ten when I was going to bars with my dad? Yeah. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's just a different world up where I grew up. But. You know, I like to expose them to everything, you know, on the weekends and at nights. We don't have much time with them at night because by the time we get them out of school and have dinner and doing all that, he goes to bed really early. But on the weekends, man, I when I'm, I'm doing a project around the house, I got to go to the hardware store and do it. I take them with me. Mm. And that and that's what it means, you know, bringing them into your world. Yeah. Sure. Some Oh, man, it'd be, fuck, dude, I could scoot over to the hardware store and come right back. But if I take him, I gotta do this and this and this and this and this. But that's cool, dude. Building the you bond know, he, as well. Yeah, he loves it. And that we we say an adventure. Hey, man. Yeah. You want to go on an adventure? Yeah. Okay. All right, let's go. <laughs> he don't even ask where we're going. He just starts following me along. So. Uh, but yeah, awesome. it's uh, kids are kids. We love it. You know, my wife and I said if it was ten years ago, we'd have another one. But we're both mm. in our late forties, so. We don't want any trouble, yeah. You know, with a set, you know, with a second one. She's super healthy and stuff, but you never know. And we're so blessed with this one that I don't, I don't, I don't want to push it. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get snipped. I'm gonna get fixed, so we don't have a oops, baby. When I'm 55 years old, you know, I don't need that. Yeah. And I look at that. I look at that as a quality for my my son as well i mean that mean i'd be 75 when he's graduating high school and what kind of life is that for him you know to have a dad like that so yeah you know what i mean does that make yeah, sense yeah i understand yeah 100 percent. i've thought about that myself as well because i was like speaking with my partner i don't want to have kids when i'm like when i'm a bit older i'd rather try to have them while i'm still a bit young so i can like grow with them and still be like a young dad in a sense yeah yeah yeah. And we did my wife was in the same situation that I was. I mean, she didn't fucking drink and drug and all that, but she had her years of good times and doing all that kind of the same time I was doing it. Mm. So now we're in mentally we're in the same spot together. You know. We feel good settled down. Yeah. You know, instead of having a kid when you're 18, now you're 40 and the kid's gone. Now you go live like, quote, unquote, live your life, whatever that means to you. My wife and I did all of that. Now we have a son and now I don't mind. I look forward to coming home and mowing the lawn and and uh, sitting on the front porch and not doing anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you got that other side of life experience first. I know with myself, like we just finished traveling Europe for six weeks and that was a big thing we wanted to do. We want to explore the world and do all these things and then have kids and do that with them when they're older, but still experience that with just us two first. Yeah. My wife and I kind of, I guess the saying is got that out of our system. Yeah. You know, now, sure. now we look forward to, you know, taking him with us. Mm-hmm. Now everything, you know, from moving forward, now everything's going to be for him, you know, yeah. where, we, where we go. But that being said, the same thing that, you know, 
bring them into your world. Mm. We'll take them to vacations that like we have a vacation plan. We're going to go to the beach and we got a house rented right on the beach and all that. Cause that's what we like. Yeah. You know? Um, so bring them again, bring them into your world mm. you know, let them find his way. But it's going to be cool, man, to see where his, where his like interests is, uh, interests are, you know, yeah. the sports music, my wife's super talented in music. She's a trained musician, but music and again, sports and whatever, you, get, you know, I'm just going to follow his lead and I'll mm. support him and be like, get a taste of everything. But whatever you taste, give it a hundred percent. Don't fucking yeah. just dip your toe into it and be like, well, that was no fun. How the fuck, you know, dude, you didn't even do it, you know? So I'll, I'll be talking shit to him about that stuff. So, yeah. But if you do a life, give it a crack. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I got right on my uh, board over here. I got a big white, you know, board where I have all my shit on it. It says give a hundred percent unless you're giving blood. Yeah. whatever you're doing give a hundred percent unless you're giving blood so yeah yeah hundred percent and and if you don't like it well that's cool do something else yeah you don't have to be like okay i decided to play basketball so that's all i'm gonna do even though i don't like it no dude fuck that no just while you're doing it give it a crack exactly you know and of course you're gonna have bad days and and that's what we're talking about podcasts, bringing it back around a podcast. That's what's going to bring you through the days you don't feel like doing nothing is your passion for it. Yeah. So I think that that's what's helped me maintain my consistency in my show is I fucking love doing it. Mm. I don't even look at downloads or nothing, dude. I don't give a shit. I just post my stuff and have conversations with people like you and and that's it and just keep plugging along, dude. I think that's the best way to do it because if you start getting into your numbers and downloads, you can get lost in what the intention is for the podcast because you start catering to something else rather than catering what you actually enjoy to do. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. What's that sign say behind you? It says the marathon continues. So it's a saying by a dude from America. He's from Los Angeles. His name's Nipsey Hussle. So he was a rapper. He's passed away now. But his whole saying was the marathon continues. And um, following Nipsey and his message related with me so much because no matter what I'm doing in life, it's a marathon. And I feel like if you go with, into something as a sprint, you're going to pull a hemi, you're going to dehydrate, you're going to gas out. But if you treat it as a marathon, you keep going, hit that second wind, keep going, you're going to get to that finish line. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I like yeah. it. I like it. Cheers, yeah, brother. I think that's that? um I was gonna say cheers, brother. I think that's a um perfect way to wrap this bad boy up. <laughs> we live blessed lives, buddy. Yeah, We've that's for it. sure. Uh where yeah. could everyone find you? Where could the listeners find your podcast? Find yourself as well. Uh best place to find me is two places. Uh Instagram and everything is B Raw Podcast. Uh, and then my website, brawpodcast.com. That's the best two places to find me. Uh, you can get to everything, obviously, from the my website, and it has everything to do about the show. So it has mm-hmm. everything you need to know. Epic, man. I'll share all that in the notes as well. So if you're listening, I'll put all that in the bio for this episode. So please check out 
Walt's podcast and the work that he does. But I just want to say thank you for coming on today, man. It was um, awesome to have a conversation with you, listen to you and hear about your story and what you've overcame and to see where you are now. No, honor's all mine, my man. Thank you for having me. Cheers, man. Well, thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you next time.